Tim. Shay? Wow. You really did drink all the whiskey. And all the ale. And all the elderflower and gooseberry cordial. Nice. I, I can't believe you're back. The others, Anne and Molly, they were... They were really mean to me. Were they? Yes. Want me to have a word? Um, I'll have a word, right, after we've recorded this. Uh, let's let's have a few words from our sponsor while you um, sober up. Shay? Feeling hot and bothered in the muggy August weather? Book your own private mud pool with companion pig at Willowhawks Therapeutic Mud Baths. Willowhawks for all your rushers, bacons and pains. Hello and welcome to Tales from the Pigshed, and welcome back, Shay! It's a sad state of affairs, Tim, when a girl has to provide her own fanfare. Isn't it, though? Especially when I've just trekked back 1,000 miles from deepest, darkest Hungary. How was your trip? Well, it was very... The question everyone is dying to ask is, of course, Hmm. was it as good as Norfolk? To which the answer naturally must be no, how could anywhere be as good as Norfolk? So we just won't ask that question, so thank you, Shay! Okay, on with the podcast! Right. Well, today's historical blue plaque is located on a wall at the bottom of Timber Hill and commemorates John Green Cross, a doctor and a pioneer of certain surgical procedures involving the removal of stones from kidneys, gallbladders and normal bladders. And according to his portrait, the proud owner of no chin whatsoever. Hey, he was a great man by all accounts, a paragon of human virtue, carrying out really valuable research in his field. Uh, operator and any patients requiring his assistance regardless of whether they could pay or not. Yeah, yeah, I've read all the sources and they just gush on and on about how diligent he was working right up until a few days before his death in 1850, operating for free, making great advancements in his field, catering for the sick and the needy, letting hordes of med students live in his house and probably allowing them to throw the most outrageous parties and I'm sick of it. Yeah, he was sort of repulsively excellent, wasn't he? And so, I'm going to be mean about him. Okay, bit of old-fashioned bullying. I like it. Did you know, though, that he did play the piano, the flute and the organ? Show off. Yeah, and, this is great, he wrote himself almost a hundred letters to an imaginary recipient detailing the operations he worked on uh, when he was an apprentice as a form of revision of his practice, uh, complete with beautifully drawn colour illustrations. Yeah, that's clearly just because he had no real friends to talk to, though, isn't it? How sad. Hmm. Hey, Shay, your family are all medical professionals, aren't they? Uh, some of them. My uncle is a doctor. Uh, my great auntie Irene was, I think, the first woman to be a member of the Royal College of Surgeons. Didn't your great granddad invent radiotherapy? Yes, he helped. And and what is it that you do, Shay? How have you followed in the footsteps of these towering figures of medical significance? How have you contributed to the plight of humanity? I do no harm. Right. Uh, you seemed pretty happy to see me just now. Yes, but my appendix isn't rupturing. Oh, there's still at least 15 minutes to go, Tim. It still could. <laughs> can I just can I just take that pen away from you, Shay? I, thanks. Fine. So, what else do we know about this so-called doctor? Well, John Green Cross, MD, FRCS, <laughs> FRS... What do all those mean, anyway? I have no idea. I, I can add a bunch of letters after my name. Timothy Lawrence, J. WC. <laughs> Wait, no, no, not that one. Tim Lawrence, WTF. Yeah, yeah, hang on. <laughs> Timothy Lawrence, BT Dubs, 
DJ, CD, MP3, whatever. Shay, you're just reading stuff off the recording deck now. Kindly address me by my full title. Shay Hargreaves, B A M A B C A D P O V X INT PTO NR3 3FB. You're an idiot. <laughs> oh, right, well, I'll just go then, shall I? You clearly don't need me for this podcast. You've got Molly and Ant, or your other friends. I know when I'm not wanted. No, 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 please stay. Please, don't go. Could I, could I tempt you to stay with, with a little story? Fine, but it'd better be good, because if it's not, I'm off. No pressure. The lamps were turned up bright. The glare made a haze before his eyes as the boy stepped through the door. He screwed them tightly shut to ward off the patches of colour that now swam in his vision. He sniffed. Gas and sawdust. For a moment that was all his senses knew. Gas and sawdust and the heavy box that made his arms ache. He breathed in deeply, telling himself that the smell was not an unpleasant one, and that he was becoming more accustomed to it. It was already not as strong to him as the time before. The box on the table, boy, if you please. He opened his eyes. His tutor stood beside the stark white sheet, watching him with a stern yet patient expression. The boy placed the heavy box on the smaller table, opened it, and stepped back to allow his tutor to inspect its contents. Light skipped along the thin length of the scalpel as it was removed from the box. His tutor brought it to his eye and squinted, checking the blade was sharp as it needed to be. This produced an excited murmur from those observers in the seats above. The boy did not look up. He found it crude that they were there. He knew in truth what drew them here was at heart no different from what had first drawn him. A curiosity, a desire to better know the mechanisms of life but still their presence and their gaze bothered him. Instead, he focused on the sheet and the outline of what lay beneath it, and began to put his thoughts in order. He had inspected the subject beforehand, and studied the relevant passages in his textbooks. His tutor may ask him at any point to step in and continue the procedure whilst he spoke to the observers, so he must pay diligent attention to each stage. His tutor moved around the table, inadvertently catching the sheet and pulling a small portion up. The boy smoothed it back down, but in doing so loosed a fall of golden hair from underneath. He stared at the yellow locks of her hair, and his thoughts tumbled out of order. Instead of a subject, there now lay upon the table a young woman, seeming all of a sudden too silent. He had thought her very pretty when he first saw her before he was able to catch his thoughts and constrain the details he absorbed. Now he found himself wondering how she might smile, how her eyes would look whilst warm with laughter. His tutor's voice pulled the boy back into the room. Ladies and gentlemen, the procedure you are here to observe will involve an invasive investigation of the anatomy of the subject's abdomen by surgical means. Our subject is suspected to have suffered from blockages and abnormalities of the gut. It is the aim of this procedure to establish if these irregularities are indeed present, and by what means they might have been treated or prevented altogether. I must warn you at this stage, to the layman the sight of a dissection can be a disturbing thing. There will most certainly be blood, and we shall at points fully remove various organs from the body. The boy did not care for this introduction. To him it seemed all too much like the theatre and playing to a crowd. He thought it vanity on the part of his tutor, a man not normally given over to proud habits. 
But then again, he knew the money the observers provided went to funding his own schooling, and supported his tutor in treating any patients who did not themselves have the means to pay. Perhaps then, an inch of vanity was not so terrible a thing here. But again, his mind slipped to thinking of the woman who lay before him, and how she might feel if she were conscious of the spectacle surrounding her. He felt a tug of shame, which he knew served no purpose for him, or for the young woman, or for anyone. He did not try to suppress this feeling, for the humility of it seemed important. Were she alive, they would have been of an age. He was struck by an image of her eyes opening, as if she had only slept a while, and now rising to the day and all that it could bring to her. He suddenly felt very young, and vulnerable, in a manner he was not at all accustomed to. My pupil shall begin now by making the first cut down the centre of the subject's abdomen. His tutor was looking at him levelly. His voice had not altered, but the boy saw in his expression a softness of recognition. They shared an understanding. The boy gently lifted the lower end of the sheet and took the scalpel from the box. Thanks, Tim. Um, I will stay. I did enjoy that. Oh, I'm glad. I wonder what it's like to have attended a public dissection, you know, back in the day. Yeah, well, I was... The inspiration of the story was really wondering what it would be like for, um, you know, a young medical student who's not very experienced in this area to, to attend a, a public dissection uh, alongside his, his tutor. Because mm. um, Dr. Cross did perform these public dissections um, over in Dublin... Um, across the UK, I think, and I mean, definitely here in in Norwich as well at the NNN Hospital. Oh, really? Yes, yeah. I um, I occasionally work there, and I've seen his name on the big plaque um, of all the consultants. It's on eighteen thirty six J G yes. Cross, and he didn't he also with the whole bladder stones thing. I think if you go to the Castle Museum, uh, you can actually see some of the stones that I think he removed. Yes. Some of them are yeah. massive. They are enormous. They look like cannonballs. <laughs> they do. They ain't coming out no other way. No, hell no. <laughs> so thank God for him, I guess. <laughs> Even though, you know, total loser. Yeah, yeah. So, w- what a geek. <laughs> yeah. Right, Shay, I haven't heard a story from you in literally months, and I am kind of dying here. Are you actually? Because I've got that pen. If you no, pass me no, that pen. No, 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 don't touch the pen. Fine. Have this. In the 1980s, there was a girl who studied medicine, and she was really good at it, so she graduated and became a doctor. And in her first year as a fully-fledged doctor, she got a job in thoracics, which is heart and lungs-related stuff, at the hospital, which was at that time in the city centre. She was part of a surgical team, and they would spend their days and nights opening up people's rib cages and poking about in the thumping, gory treasure that lay within. One day, an old woman was brought in for surgery. She had been experiencing some serious heart trouble and the consultant wanted to open her up and fix her. She was wheeled unconscious into the theatre and the team set about unzipping the skin of her chest and sawing through her ribs so they could get at the heart within. When the organ was in sight, the consultant paused. He looked at it very hard and then he took a long thin scalpel and very gently he prodded it. The heart made a faint metallic noise like a saucepan lid being dropped half a mile away. The consultant and his junior doctor probed further and before long they had laid bare the heart, nestled in the chest cavity, and they found, to their amazement, that it was clockwork. The heart was ticking slowly, and its cogs and wheels were moving with a sluggish air. There was no doubt the heart was slowing down. 
Well, the team debated what to do for some time and it was decided that they should almost certainly have a coffee and think about it. While they were doing this, the young doctor opened up the patient's notes and out fell this key. It was heavy and old, with a handle shaped roughly like the wings of a butterfly. The young doctor looked at the scrub nurse, and the scrub nurse looked at the consultant, and the consultant said, in the best spirit of the NHS, well, I suppose we can give it a try. They scrubbed up again and went back into the theatre, and the young doctor felt around and found a keyhole in the left ventricle of the heart. She inserted the key. Turn it, said the consultant, and she did. She wound that heart up like a music box, as quick as she could, for while she was winding, the heart wasn't beating, and a heart that doesn't beat is much like a paper teapot, inconvenient at best. When the young doctor had wound the heart to its fullest capacity, they replaced the ribcage and stitched up the old woman, and she was taken away to recovery. The consultant, sounding dazed, asked the young doctor to write up the operation in the woman's notes, and this the young doctor did. When she was finished, she replaced the key between the pages and secured the notes with an elastic band. The story of the lady with the clockwork heart became the stuff of hospital legend, a strange tale to tell the new recruits on their first day in theatre. The young doctor in question has moved on now to other specialisms in other cities. However, I was up at the hospital the other day, uh, and I got in the lift to go up to the secretary's office near the surgical wards. There was an old lady in the lift who smiled at me and asked what floor I wanted and pressed the button for me. We exchanged a few words, she was very pleasant. Just before we reached her floor, we fell silent for a moment. And in that moment, I thought perhaps I heard very faint and muffled a ticking sound coming from beneath her cardigan. Then we reached her floor and the doors opened and she said goodbye and got out and potted off down the corridor. Thank you, Shay. That was a lovely little freaky and rather sweet story. Freaky sweet. Freaky Inventing sweet. new genres, pushing the boundaries of, <laughs> of whatever it is we do here. Whatever it is we do here, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently spent some time in hospital with my granddad, mm. who, who passed away very recently. Um, and what was a very difficult time would have been almost impossible had it not been for the diligent, caring staff and the resources available to us on the NHS. Um, and of course, entirely free of charge at the point of delivery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the NHS is... The best thing our country has, I think. It's the best thing we do. Well, I can't imagine life without it be really, really, well, almost impossible. Yeah, well, in the past, all doctors were private. Unless you could get to a hospital run by a charitable foundation or get treatment from kindly souls like John Green Cross, free of charge, you were left, well, completely without care or treatment. Let's not have to find out what that was like. No. Well, this has gotten a bit dark, hasn't it? Do you want to do your pun about the plaque for next time? Yes, sure. So, join us next time for... Small... Fry... Pan... Frying pan... Okay, we'll see you again. Fry up. Bye. Say bye. Friday. Tim, say bye. Bye. Bye.